Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. Sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs. We enjoyed those. And now football season is here. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. US, you can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf, golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable and the Sharp BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. Welcome in, everybody. This is SEC Football and Beyond, and I am Chris Landry taking you through uh, another um, conversation about SEC football, and we'll be breaking down all the games for you this week. We uh, appreciate you joining us today. Uh, We've got a lot to get to. We've got the big Georgia-Florida game. Do you think this is going to be much of a game? Uh, That's the first question that I would ask. We'll get into it. We'll get into some of the keys and some of the matchups that might be pertinent in that game and what Florida would need to do. That's how I'm going to approach it. What would Florida need to do to be competitive at the game to have a chance? So we're going to get into that. Ole Miss-Auburn will tell us an awful lot about those two teams. Um, You know, I know everyone is hot on – um, Ole Miss at this point. Uh, we'll see uh, how they're able to deal with it banged up. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the latest out of Oxford, Matt Corral is, um, you know, uh, get healing up a little bit. How much, how healthy will he be? What's the health of that team? They're banged up quite a bit. That's going to be uh, something we're going to follow closely. How about Kentucky, Mississippi State? Uh, another intriguing game we're going to get to. Talk about the contrast in styles. And then Missouri Vanderbilt, oh, maybe you don't care a whole lot. Uh, obviously got Arkansas, LSU, Alabama um, on uh, buys this week. So a lot to get to today. We're going to get you up to date on uh, the latest news, uh, a few uh, news and nuggets uh, from practices around the conference as we're getting ready for the matchup. So I want to remind you of a couple of things. Join us live in the chat room. Uh, If you are listening to this show, join us in the chat room, will you? Uh, Certainly bring your questions, your thoughts. Um, We can discuss anything, uh, just not just in the SEC, but beyond the scope of the SEC, we'll get to it. Um, A reminder that if you're listening to this in podcast form, we encourage you to join us as we do this show live um, so that you can join us in that chat room. How do you do it? Go to LandryFootball.com, click on Follow Chris on Twitch, and that'll take you right where you need to be. So that uh, is where we want to go uh, with um, with getting you set up. One more thing. 
detailed film room breakdowns of all these games, as well as all the games in college football. Got them up there, up on LandryFootball.com. So you can get that right now. You can go by conference and get all the matchups. Then we've got um, the details of of the uh, the the matchups and what to look for in the matchups. Some key nuggets that you're going to need to know. Uh, give you a pick and an idea so that as you try to look at that for purely entertainment purposes only, of course, you can get a good feel for where things are and where we're seeing at the game. Every conference, every conference, SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, Group of Five, um, got the NFL games up as well. Still working on a couple of the um, of the Monday night game, um, uh, and, and we're going to tidy that up tonight and tomorrow. But we've got some initial stuff. So check that out. How do you do it? Go to LandryFootball.com and uh, join us right there um, with the football season offer. Uh, Got a great deal. Speaking of entertainment purposes only, we've got a great, uh, great deal for you at the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Uh, Great folks there. So uh, let's uh, get to it. Some of the um, the news and notes of the day. we are looking at uh, the latest uh, from LSU uh, is that they're not practicing. Uh, that's the that's the latest. Uh, don't have enough players to practice. Um, it's technically not true. They just elected not to. Um, there's a lot of apathy there. They, there were certainly enough players to practice with walk-ons and whatnot. There were not enough frontline players. They've had a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of guys that have opt out but it's more of an indication of where things are. They, they will practice. We'll get a few more guys back. They'll practice as they head towards. It's a bye week this week, reminding you that LSU's got Alabama next week. But this is kind of where LSU is right now. Uh, it, is a, it is a mess down here in Baton Rouge with the program. Um, I think there's some people inside the administration that is very concerned about maybe with complete understanding of why they made the move of keeping that around and the need to try to make this as amicable as possible. It, it hasn't really worked out all that well for, you know, everybody's fractured coaches are looking out for themselves and their futures and players are doing the same thing. It's it's quite the mess, and uh, I don't know that uh, it's going to be a pretty look to the end of the season. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but uh, the latest uh, news there uh, is um, uh, around uh, at Vanderbilt. Mike Wright's going to start Saturday against Missouri um, over in uh, Georgia. Uh, JT Daniels with uh, the lat problem has been practicing without limitations this week. No word on who's going to start the game. But um, I would expect him to play, play quite a bit. Um, we mentioned to you, I think, um, yesterday we mentioned the Harrison Bailey uh, entering the transfer portal out of Tennessee. Um, over at Ole Miss, Miles Battle is likely going to play both receiver and defensive back. Um, in the Auburn game um, at Kentucky, Josh Ali is expected to suit up against Mississippi State, and they feel he's close to 100%. Um, it looks like um, South Carolina, who's got some time off, Zeb Nolan had a meniscus procedure. He should be ready for next week. Um, and uh, that's the latest news and notes. We'll have, uh, obviously, all the uh, any other stuff for you over at LandryFootball.com inside the notebook. So we're, um, I've been asked about the coaching search at LSU. So let's give you an update um, there. I've been asked a few questions, social media, online, and we'll certainly address them here if you want to join me. Um, look, there's no, uh, no way to, it, this is not a search that's going to be done out in the open. There's not a uh, here's the list that Scott Woodard has and who he's gone after. I can speculate. I'm not going to do that. Um, There are 
three head coaches who um, prominent head coaches in college that that I know and talk with that feel like they've got a shot at it. Um, but, you know, obviously not all three of them are going to get it. They're hearing the right things. There's um, a lot of people being, uh, I would say, pushed towards Scott Woodard. Um, as typical as the case of you ought to really take a look at this guy as Scott is doing his work um, with folks in the football business. But Scott's doing the right thing in that he's uh, listening and not doing any talking. So that's good. That's what's going on. Um, I've been asked about uh, a few things um, relates to specifics. Um, what about Lane Kiffin? Um, yes, Lane Kiffin wants the LSU job. Yes, Lane Kiffin would absolutely take the LSU job. There's not a, you know, 1% chance he'd turn it down. The issue is right now he's not um, one of the main persons of interest in this job from an LSU standpoint. So things can change, things can evolve, and we'll see where that takes it. But um, there's there's no chance that he would pass up this opportunity. Um, as this is a, as we've talked about it, he's done a really good job at Ole Miss, but there's a ceiling there, and winning a national championship is is um, look nothing's impossible, uh, but it is it's one of the have-nots that can. Well, you can have good seasons like they are this year, but the sustainability there is going to be much more difficult. So um, I don't know uh, if that gives an answer to the questions of uh, of Lane, and it's not about his interest in LSU. The only factor would be LSU's interest in him, and I can't speak to exactly where he'd fall on the list. I can certainly um, – at least give my and have give my thoughts on where he would would fit on on a uh, said list in terms of where some other guys might fit. But again, that is going to be up to Scott Water to figure out how that may be able to play out and who he may be able to bring to the table on that. We are going to have there'll be some other um, some other information um, on. People have asked me, you know, specific, I'll mention this, is, well, how do you know Lane Kiffin's interested in the job? Because I've been asked to really put in a good word for him there, um, which my role is not to put in good words for people, is to give an honest assessment um, that I think would be the best, you know, way to go about it for both the candidate and um, the, in this case, university um, involved. We've got uh, other coaching searches that are going on and more to come about. Uh, I don't expect it uh, within the league, though. Uh, we're not going to have – know that there's going to be assistant coaching movement within the league. There is a lot of heat going on, a lot of talk going on right now uh, with uh, Florida and Dan Mullen. Dan is not going to be let go at Florida, as I've mentioned even if things go badly this weekend, there's no scenario which Dan uh, will lose his job uh, unless Dan decides he wants to do something else and go somewhere else. Um, I don't anticipate that. But certainly movement on his staff is is definitely coming. Um, there is, you know, um, maybe always that chance to, that, that somebody may leave for a better job. We just talked about Lane Kiffin, or maybe a Mark Stoops. Um, you know, um, but, you know, everything else is kind of in place with guys that are pretty new in their position. So LSU right now is is the only opening that I anticipate to take place um, in the conference. I, I don't anticipate for people that are wanting to know the Auburn situation with Brian Harson. Um I don't think that's going to result in him losing his job. Now, look, I'm not into the politics. I'm not into what the state and the uh, uh, folks will do. I think it's a different situation than Nick Rolovich at Washington State. 
the politics at Alabama, uh, in the state of Alabama, and the politics at Auburn, uh, I don't think this is going to result in him losing his job. So um, that is something that's been brought up and I've been asked about. Uh, is far as the games of the week, um, we're going to get to Georgia, Florida in a little bit. We're going to work our way into a couple of the games that may not be as high on the radar, and we're going to start with Missouri and Vanderbilt in what is a very nondescript matchup. Um, Missouri, let me remind you, is trying for their first SEC win of the year. They travel to Vanderbilt, first showdown versus Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's trying for their first SEC win. Um, Missouri's three and four overall on the year. Fresh off a bye week. Um, this is a game, when you talk must wins, there are different levels of that. In terms of an embarrassment, this would be a tough, a tough look for Eli Drinkwich if he were to lose this one on the road. They came up short against AM, did not play well. Um, Basilek um, threw for yards, but was not real effective getting his team to the end zone, threw two picks. Tyler Beatty didn't run the football quite as well. It's been a rough year for them defensively. They're they're not a good-looking team, and and quite frankly, they're they've struggled a lot on defense and offensively. They've not been able to overcome that. Uh, they've given up 34 points a game. That they're they're in the bottom, you know, tier of college football in terms of giving up points per game given up almost 500 yards a game, which also puts them near the bottom. Uh, they have lost the line of scrimmage in pretty much every game they played of note. Um, it's it's not very good luck. Vanderbilt um, doesn't score a lot. They're dead last in averaging just 13 points per outing. So can anybody play this game here? Can anybody score here? Um I think Vanderbilt's competed at times. I mean, you see that, um, but there's just not much there. Um, you know, Vanderbilt was throttled by Mississippi State. Again, Missouri's coming off that uh, that loss to, to South Carolina. I thought Vanderbilt looked deflated last week. Um, they appeared to be committed to running the football. And, you know, they should be able to make some progress this week against a Missouri defense that can't stop anybody. So how competitive will this be? I, I would give Vanderbilt a real shot at winning this. This is not as big of an upset if Vanderbilt wins it, as people might think. Missouri's had two weeks to rest up for this from the loss of AM. So shame on them if they lose this, but it is not out of the question. It is not a game in which Missouri can play poorly and still win. I expect them to win. Um, but this might be a little bit closer than people think. I think the line's about 16. Um, I'm thinking, you know, that that this game might be a little bit closer than than people might think. Um, when you look at the Missouri situation, it's going to come down, and and you know, really for for Clarkley as well, but for. Eli, this is one of those jobs and one of those teams that in addition to being devoid of talent on defense and in dire need of infusion of talent in recruiting, they're not a very well-coached team. And that is a real concern. Now, Vanderbilt's got some of the – well, they got an even worse problem in terms of personnel, and I, I think they're very limited but actually it's the first year and you give a little bit of a pass. I think Missouri and South Carolina and Vanderbilt, all three have problems, like real big problems, like not just they're bad this year, but they're going to be bad for a while. And this it's going to be probably from the bottom up, it's probably going to be Vanderbilt, and then, you know, flip a coin, Missouri, South Carolina, South Carolina, Missouri. That's kind of where it looks for the next few years. And I don't see much changing in recruiting. 
certainly not much in development. And Kentucky's taken themselves out of that mix for quite some time with Mark Stoops and competing right there with, with Tennessee and certainly Florida, um, you know, in terms of competing, you know, near the, um, near the upper echelon of the league. Uh, you know, it's Georgia and, and certainly Florida has been disappointing, but um, you know that they've got all the resources to be right near the top again. And then, um, you know, I think Tennessee um, and Kentucky are, you know, very, very capable of consistently getting there. Kentucky's got more stability, more well-rounded, um, but I think that Tennessee certainly has shown some strides. Um, speaking of Kentucky, you've got Kentucky and Mississippi State. And this matchup is at uh, Saturday night at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time. And Kentucky's, of course, trying to bounce back from the first loss of the season. They're going on a road a place that can be tough to play. And look, there's no doubt that that Kentucky looks better. And certainly what they've been able to do overall, people tend to look at things as, well, this team's better, therefore they're going to win. You have to look at it deeper than that. Styles make fights, styles make matchups. And this is a contrast in styles. Um, you know, this Kentucky team is – is one of the is 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 in uh, the midst of one of their best seasons in their history. They were six and zero. They beat Florida. They dominated LSU, and then of course they got hammered by Georgia two weeks ago. But a whole lot's at stake for for Kentucky. Getting beat by Georgia is one thing. Georgia's clearly on a different level. Losing an opportunity to have, I mean, it's going to be a good year, but to not finish the season strong as they've got Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, New Mexico, Louisville. I think this week in Tennessee, they get through these two games, then I think they're going 11-1. and one. So to me, this game and the game against Tennessee which is also going to be a contrast in styles, is going to determine whether this Kentucky team is going to be an eleven and one or nine and three. And nine and three is a great record. I mean, I you take that every year at Kentucky going into the season, but right now you wouldn't, because that means you're you've finished weak, and that's been the narrative. You know, the whole. Why don't we get any respect at Kentucky? Because you're Kentucky, and you've often started off well, and then you flame out. Well, you can beat and should beat Mississippi State and Kentucky if you really are going to get some respect. You've beaten Florida. We know Florida's got issues. So did LSU beat Florida. Kentucky, you've got to take care of business this week and next week to get to your 11-1. Well, how do you do it this week? It's a one-dimensional offense. It's been a problem for them. Will Levis has been fairly effective. This offense is still built around the run game and Chris Rodriguez behind a good offensive line. Levis can run the football. Wondell Robinson has made plays for them and has been the best target that they've had. Josh Ali, as I've mentioned, looks like he's going to play. They're going to face a Mississippi State defense that's underrated. Um, and so. You know, this is going to be a matchup that they've got to contain this Mississippi State offense. It's going to test their discipline. The secondary doesn't allow a lot of big plays, um, but they'll give up the dink and dunk. So Mississippi State does that well. Um, Kentucky can tackle well. They're going to get tested. They're going to have to leverage the screen game. They're going to have to leverage their slant routes well and tackle well. You do that, you can cause some problems for this Mississippi State's offense and get them off pace a bit. If you allow them to control the football, then you got a problem. Then there's some, you know, run after catch plays that can get you. 
The other thing is, can you run the football on the Mississippi State defense? Kentucky can't win a shootout, go up and down the field type of game. They've got to run the football. And for Mississippi State, this game will, you know, they bounce back, got, you know, hammered by Alabama. They won over Vanderbilt. Look, let's call it what is it. This, this, we talk twice a week on this show. There's some good in this league, but there's some bad football teams in this league. And when you're talking about beating up on the Vanderbilts and the South Carolinas and the Missouris, it ain't saying much. So this is a game in which these two teams are are decent to pretty good in the case of Kentucky. And so this is a statement win for Mississippi State if they can get it. And it's an expected win for Kentucky if you're going to earn respect. So I think this game is, you know, an important game and is going to be a fun game and a big game to watch. Um, Ole Miss, Auburn, I think injuries and the health is going to be a big factor. Uh, There's, you know, a lot of talk about Ole Miss and college football playoff dreams. Ole Miss is not in the college playoff conversation and won't be, Um, even if they run the table. Um, There's nothing that can happen that could put them back in a position because they've really got no path to get into the conference championship game. Under the theory that because Alabama beat Ole Miss, Alabama would have to lose twice. So, you know, there's really no path to that for Ole Miss. But much like Kentucky, one of the have-nots, Ole Miss, with a really good team, with a really good quarterback, could go on and have a great season. You can end up – you too can end up 11-1. and And if you win this game, you've got A&M, and then at the end of the year, Mississippi State, you know – this game and those two games are going to determine whether you're 11 and 1, 10 and 2, 9 and 3. Expect you to beat Liberty. Uh, expect you to beat Vanderbilt, of course, but that's going to be pivotal. It's going to be pivotal for AM as well, who's got the bye this week. So it's going to be fun to watch in this matchup. Um, of course, Ole Miss has won three since losing to Alabama. But, you know, Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU um, are not, again, drop-offs. I think Tennessee's improved but not great. I think Arkansas's come back to the pack, and they're a pretty good team, nothing more, and LSU's a mess. So what have they really done? And And I think it's this type of game that while Auburn is not a really good team, it's the next step towards getting to 11 and one in an impressive season. So somebody's got to end up 11 and one or 10 and two. Why not Ole Miss? Why not get that done? Um, if you look at it, you know, they, there was not much that separated Ole Miss versus Tennessee. Not much at all. Um, Matt Corral was the thing that separated them. His making plays in the run game was the biggest factor to separate the teams. Uh, the offense is showing a lot of balance a good, consistent run of explosion, experience, big plays, run game success. Uh, They don't turn the football over. Um, Auburn doesn't do a really good job of taking the ball away. So it's going to be an interesting game. Another contrast in styles. Uh, Auburn has faced, well, a couple of top 10 opponents, at least top 10 when they were playing them. Penn State's not a top 10 team now. And then Georgia didn't fare well. Um, Auburn has beaten LSU and Arkansas like Ole Miss has. So we kind of see a little bit of an even matchup, even though the styles are quite a bit different. I thought the the Auburn performance against Arkansas separated where Auburn at least was headed towards that game. You know, Arkansas and Ole Miss was a could have gone either way, just like Tennessee Ole Miss. And Ole Miss won both of those, but the film showed those teams are relatively equal, those three. Auburn looked decidedly better in their matchup against Arkansas. 
Different time, different game, different positions in the schedule. All of that factors in. Auburn has been solid offensively this year. Um, they do a good job moving the football. When you give Bo Nix a clean pocket, he can be very successful. Uh, he's run the football well when he's had to. They're going to want to run the football here. We're going to see how good this Ole Miss defense is. No, it's not going to be, you know, they, they didn't show much defense against Tennessee or Arkansas. LSU didn't give much of a threat. Auburn's going to run the football with Tank Bisbee, um, uh, uh, Jaquez uh, Hunter. They're going to run it. They're going to run it, and they're going to run it a lot. Now, Auburn cannot get into a shootout. So if their defense gives up plays and Auburn has to go pass first, they're in trouble. Ole Miss is starting to rush the passer a little bit. So that's a formula where this game could go get out of hand one way or the other. Auburn, if they get behind, it could go bad for them and decidedly advantage of Ole Miss. If Ole Miss struggles to defend the run, then then Auburn can control them at the line of scrimmage. Um, Bo Nix is not that accurate, but, you know, you'll wonder what they can get done offensively here in the passing game, what they can get done in explosive plays if they're able to run it. It's going to be interesting. I think this is um, – it looks like on paper that the Rebels have been a better team and the offense is going to be too much for Auburn to handle. Corral has been great. You know, maybe not trust Bo Nix in big games, but they've got the running game. The offensive line at Auburn looks a little bit better. I think this game is close. I think it's real close. I think it's the game of the week inside the conference. I think it's a tell us more about both of these teams than any uh, game that we have. Uh, and I think it's really, really close. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, at all if Auburn wins it. So we end up with the perceived game of the week, which is one of the games of the year always, Georgia-Florida, Florida-Georgia. We're going to break down a little bit of take the tone of what does Florida need to do. We're going to go into a little bit more detail in this game. But the storyline is, okay, Georgia getting a little bit healthier. The quarterback, how are you going to use the quarterbacks? Um, do you have a letdown or are you stale um, from a little time off? I mean, a lot of things, a lot of questions. But really, we know that Georgia's better. And at least for me, it's a lot about what could Florida even do to have a chance? Uh, and how bad does Georgia win? Big picture for Florida is things are getting ugly in Gainesville. There's a lot of frustration with Dan Mullen. As I mentioned earlier, he's not going to get let go. But there's going to have to be changes, likely substantive changes. There could cause somebody with an ego like Dan and a stubbornness like Dan to, to maybe do something, people are going to be looking. If this is a blowout loss, <clears throat> I will tell you, if this is a blowout loss, there will probably be more people watching the Dan Mullen postgame press conference than anything going on in college football this weekend because he's going to get grilled and – he makes some weird comments and weird statements very often. And I think this is going to be interesting because he's going to have to justify it. Or maybe does he pull out another great game plan? And does the team respond in a rivalry game and make this close? Maybe it's another moral victory, air quotes here. I don't think a place like Florida should have moral victories, and I don't think they do. But the reality is there was a lot of gloating about their big win, which was the biggest of the year for them, and that was the loss to Alabama. Um, I'm curious to see what Dan does. You've got to have ball security. You've got to play well up front. 
Georgia's averaging three and a half sacks per game this year. Um, Florida's got enough versatility on offense, but they're going to have to play a clean game. You can't run the football well enough against Auburn. So you're going to have to employ the quarterback in the run game. You're going to have to do a good job with the counters. You're going to have to do a good job with traps. You're going to have to work tempo to your favor. You're going to have to get Georgia misaligned pre-snap because Georgia likes to stem their front. you got to snap the ball before they're able to do it. You've got to keep that defense on the field because they're not as good when they have to play their backup defensive lineman for a while. Um, those are some of the things. Um, I think I'm looking at Georgia and what JT Daniels is going to do. Georgia running the football uh, on the ground and keeping it on the ground and controlling it, how they play the quarterbacks, how they rotate them, how they they play both, they play one, how long they play both, I don't know. Um, The Gator defense did a poor job against LSU, but it was solid against Bama, and it was able to keep Tennessee in check to some degree. The LSU defensive game plan – was a mystery for me watching Florida. Um, Georgia was able to maintain control against Kentucky with 160 yards on the ground. Um, they play risk averse. Um, Florida's going to need to create turnovers. Florida's not going to need to get a short field. They're going to have to have success. So people want to know what can Florida do offensively against this Georgia defense? Let's get into how the Georgia defense works. You know about Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Devontae Wyatt and uh, Trevon Walker and Nolan Smith. Those are the big pieces in the dominant front. Davis gets most of the attention, and he's a game changer in the middle of the defense. But Carter is a Massive penetrator in the pass rush. These guys win one-on-one blocks. They dominate one-on-one blocks. Uh, There is a bit of a drop-off when their next group rotates in. Georgia loves to substitute, play situational defense, and they do a good job of maximizing players' talents, keeping them fresh. Georgia loves to run what we call games. Okay, and that is, we call it like a TE game or an ET game. So the first letter is the penetrator, and the latter is the looper. Um, So when they run like a TE game to the boundary, the tackle penetrates and loops and they end uh, to the field. One of the keys to having success versus Georgia's defensive line is reading their feet pre-snap and the levels on their defensive line. Georgia does not do a good job of disguising this. And I think if you're really good and you really study up front on the offensive line, you can get a good read on what they're doing with their pre-snap alignment. But they Georgia loves to create confusion, on, particularly on third down. On third and long, they mix up their fronts. They will get in a three-man front at times. They'll cast a big wide net, let the offense catch the ball underneath, swarm to the ball. They love to show two rushers from one side, drop them, bring pressure from the opposite side. They're great at simulating pressure. Simulated pressure is when a defense makes you think they're bringing more than they are, and they force you in one direction while coming from another. So you'll slide your possession to the left, protection to the left, and the pressure's coming from the right. Georgia um, will play a lot of odd front or throw in a good bit of odd front with Dean. So they'll sugar up the A-gap. They'll they'll put, like against Kentucky, they put them in the A-gap to try to rush, but then they drop into the field side, and then Walker pressures the quarterback. And, um, you know, Georgia finds a way, like against Kentucky, they force six guys to block four and still get home. Uh, it's it's They do a great job with simulated pressure looks. Georgia forced Auburn to block 
match protection one-on-one against the bear look, which is both centers and guards covered. And they try to do that with the weak side linebacker walking over the center. Georgia will um, add on and bring the mic up the middle and the safety to the boundary. And, you know, like against Auburn, Knicks was a sitting duck as the back releases. Knicks had to uh, hit the, the back on a hot read and the left guard busts on the man side and he on the left tackle should be squeezing after taking a vertical set and he struggles with it. It causes a lot of pressure. Georgia loves to stunt and game their defensive linemen. You're going to see them all move laterally at the same time to try to confuse the blocking scheme. They also try to get the offensive lineman to jump off snides pre-snap. They like to run an over front versus the 12 personnel look. Jordan Davis stunts across the center's face. They run a cross dog um, quite a bit into the B gap. Jalen Carter can defeat double teams, and they just can bring maximum pressure even when they don't bring maximum numbers. They're playing more zone on the back end that they do in years past. The secondary is the weakest link, but because they're able to generate so much pressure, you don't get a chance to really attack it. Their linebackers, Quay Walker and Adam Anderson and Nicobe Dean are really good, really good. In an under front, they run a lot of stunts inside where the three technique is the penetrator and the shade is the looper while the ends work the edges to keep contained. Uh, Walker false, uh, uh, against Kentucky forces Levin to, to run before he wanted to, and it was a real Real big problem. They bring a lot of multiple blitzes. The defensive tackle can both be penetrators. So they give a lot of different looks. So what does Florida do? How do you deal with that? Well, the first three weeks of the season, Florida were were really running the football well. They played Alabama very well. And, you know, Georgia's got better personnel and a better defense in Alabama this year but they still ran very well. For three quarters, it went toe-to-toe to with them and moved the ball with relative ease. The last few weeks, they've looked completely different offensively. You, you see very few shot plays, which if they don't throw some shot plays, they're not going to have a chance here. Because if you don't, you're going to play right into George's favorite. Now, Mullen is creative in getting guys open, but you got to stretch the field vertically at some point. And I'm curious to see, you know, what he does with Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson. You know, Richardson seems to spark the offense. I think they're probably going to need him to play the majority of the snaps and play well and not turn it over. Look, both Jones and Richardson have turned the football over. They're not going to be perfect but they're going to need to be close to it this week. And they're going to need to make big plays with their feet, but they're going to need to make some chunk plays in the passing game. Florida leads the country in interceptions. I mean, Jones has got nine. Richardson's got three, and that's because Jones has played more. It ain't going to work. If that happens, if the interceptions continue, this is going to be a name-the-score game. You can't beat Georgia with penalties or turnovers. And Florida has played sloppy football and has turned the football over. Yes, they're going to have to run it. Yes, they're going to have to be creative. We're going to get to more of that in a second. But first and foremost, they're going to have to make plays in the passing game. They can't have holds. They can't have turnovers. They're going to need to execute a great game plan near perfectly. And they're going to need to force Georgia to make mistakes when they're on defense and they're going to have to – Georgia's defensive front is very aggressive. You're going to have to take advantage of it. You've got two athletic quarterbacks. They're both are going to have to play well. Let's take a look at some things that works for Florida's offense this year or has. What I liked on film, and I think this is something that's going to have to be successful. Florida, in, when they run in, in trips bunch – uh, they will run a what we call a Y high to tight end high to the field side with a with a power pass run action on the front side. The running back clears the middle linebacker out on a wheel route. Uh, they ran this versus Alabama. Alabama played a lot of oaky front. They brought corner blitzes from the boundary and didn't get home. And Florida had a lot of success. Look for that. 
They also like to run a lot of split zone, but um, they trap the, the two-eye technique to the field, and then they gash up the middle. Lots of teams have attacked Georgia laterally this year, but the old-school way of attacking great defenses was to run downhill on them, which is easier said than done. The way Georgia penetrates, I'd expect more trap action. The split zone trap, trapping the two-eye technique is the key. The best way to score on Georgia, though, is to get to the back end of their defense. You have to have the quarterback play well in the passing game, the offensive line hold up in protection, and the skill positions have to test them. You're going to have to win off the line of scrimmage, and you're going to have to win on your route nobody's really come close this year to test them. You know, Kentucky had some mild success thrown through the tight ends, attacking laterally, but not a whole lot. Auburn had some success with Bo Bo Nick's extending plays with his feet. They used a ton of motion and play action, uh, but the receivers let them down with critical drops. Florida's not shown that it has all the uh, pieces besides the game against Alabama. I expect Dan Mullen to have some wrinkles. Look, this is not a shot. Dan likes to be considered the play-calling genius. He said, time to put in some wrinkles, coming off a bye, see what you got. They need to sustain drive. You got to mix up tempo. You've got to keep Georgia from substituting a lot. That would help. Uh, Empty sets where they could motion and mix up the formations, go quick game, the quarterback run game, the screen game, the RPOs. You know, that would give them an advantage by forcing Georgia to get into auto checks and get them uncomfortable. Confuse the secondary with assignments. So, you know, if you – take chances, one of two things are going to happen. One, you're going to get them off their guard and you're maybe going to make enough big plays to get into this game and have a chance. The other, you take the same chances, you turn the football over and you're going to get killed. But one thing I can tell you, if you play this straight, if you play this mano a mano, you got no shot, Florida. It's going to have to be a well-executed, creative game plan with a lot of unscouted looks with a lot of the things that I said. Motioning from one side of the field to the other can cause a lot of issues for a complex defense. Georgia is talented, but they're also complex. They do a lot of things. So I I would be heavy motion. I would hope for busted assignments someone on the back end, and get a guy free, get a guy open. Uh, Kentucky ran some 13 personnel against Georgia's bare front with the nose shaded to the boundary. Kentucky used Wondell Robinson as eye candy to confuse the secondary. Then Levis went on play action and faked it to Robinson before he hit the tight end in the corner. One of them for an easy score. You're going to have to see some of that. That's going to be big. Florida – you know, um, ran some 21 personnel and showed Connor uh, the tight end, you know, will uh, can maybe get some picks, some some screens to the se- on a second-level defender. Staying on schedule is going to be imperative. you got to have success on first and second down. If any chance of moving the change. You get in third and long, you're probably coming off the field, and then you got your chance of your defense being in peril. So, look um, – a couple of other things. Jones runs an option to the field um, pretty well when they get a hat on a hat. And they love this play, and they run it well. And Alabama, again, ran an oaky front in a lot of the game, and the field safety's forced to make a tackle on the quarterback, and they got that matchup that they wanted. Um, Florida also likes to put a wrinkle on a naked, pulling a guard, and throws to the flat for an easy completion. Alabama played man coverage. Georgia plays a lot of pattern match, which is some man principles out of zone. So I could see Florida trying to do this in the plus 30 and in the red zone where you're likely to catch Georgia in this coverage. Nice pitch and catch. Hope will make a guy miss. 
then you got to use the mobile quarterbacks against the Georgia defense. You need a mobile quarterback to extend plays and move the pocket. As I mentioned, Bo Nix did a pretty good job of making plays, as good as anyone has against Georgia. The good news for Florida, you got mobile quarterbacks. Jones and Richardson have the ability to do the same. But you're going to have to paralyze them with the run game to create spacing because neither one of these guys are accurate enough to make big plays unless you create spacing and coverage. So I think they should, and I think they will, have a lot of design quarterback runs so the Gators can play 11-on-11 and have an outlet to dump to. Uh, I expect Mullen to have a really good plan. I think he lives for moments like this. I think this is a strength of his. I don't know that he has enough to pull it off, but I think he'll have a good game plan. I'd be disappointed if he didn't because I think he's something that he's capable of doing, and we'll see if this team is capable of doing. Jones can extend plays with his feet. He can hit the dig route. Uh, I know that Alabama's fire zones to the boundary um, didn't contain the quarterback from outside in very well, and if Florida can break contain, they're going to have some ability to make some big plays uh, with his feet. Richardson shows the quarterback counter a good bit. Then he hits the running back on the wheel route for a nice gainer. Love this play call. Love the action, and it's a difficult concept to defend. Jones keeps it on a split zone quite a bit to avoid the boundary. Then what about Florida's offensive line? They're going to need to give the quarterback a little time in the pocket. You can't make plays if the quarterback's running to buy time. You've got to give him some creases to work with. You got to match George's intensity. You've absolutely got to do that. Um, you know, you might have to take some chances on fourth down. Look, I'm not everyone. I mean, it depends on the situation, but some back shoulder throws. I thought they had some success against Bama uh, with that concept of some back shoulder throws. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, when I look at it, I think the keys for Florida to have success, they're going to have to unleash Richardson, and he's going to have to play well. And if he doesn't, then Emory's going to have to play very well. I think both probably going to have to have some impact in the run game. I would even personally, if it were me, I would have some packages where they're both in the game. I would work. George's mind, give them a lot of unscouted look. Again, this is what Dan lives for. This is what he's good at. This is what he's going to have to be good at. And they're going to have to execute it. Look, it's not about throwing ball plays out there. It's about being able to execute. You can throw ball plays out there. You're going to have to give a lot of different looks. You're going to have to give a lot of different motions. You're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to work tempo. Look, they've got the potential to make it interesting. They gave Alabama all they can handle. They can make it uncomfortable for Georgia. If I were going to make a comparison, I'd say that Alabama's offense is better than Georgia's offense. So Florida, if they're able to get some great short fields for their offense, get some early points, make Georgia play from behind, you know, Alabama is going to move the football, come back, and score on you. Georgia, it may be a little bit more difficult. Now, we've talked a lot about what does Georgia have to, Florida have to do against that great Georgia defense. Let's talk for a second what this Florida defense has to do. Because while Georgia is not explosive or overly dynamic offensively, they can run the football. They block it well, and they can run. So Georgia... Uh, Florida, you know, what was that against LSU? You're going to have to be much better with your run fits or else it ain't going to matter. We can talk all day about what Dan can create. It ain't going to matter if you can't get off blocks, if you can't fit the run, you're going to be in trouble. And they're just going to shorten this game and it'll just pound you. You're going to have to play a great game defensively. And I think this team has more potential. And I, again, 
just can't get that LSU game out of my mind as to how bad they didn't adjust. That can't happen. They have to be on point. They have to play with their hair on fire, and they're going to have to be smart. Back to the offense. The offensive line for the Gators have been solid, but they're dealing with a lot of injuries. They're facing a defensive front that's getting to the quarterback. Um, you got a problem with Florida's receivers getting separation down the field. Uh, what Georgia does is play tight man coverage. So if we're talking about making plays, you got to block it well up front. The quarterback has to be able to hurt you with his feet, and he has to be able to hit open guys. You got to get open. Well, the Georgia's secondary is not that good. If you can't get open, they'll look a lot better than they have. And then they're going to have to prepare for JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett. Um, Florida's got to win the turnover battle. They don't win the turnover battle. I mean, they've turned it over. They're going to have to play a clean game, take chances, and and have to hit a lot and have to force turnovers and not make them. It's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very difficult. Um, the line is 14, and I would guess that Georgia is going to win by more than 14. But it is a rivalry game. You will often see in rivalry games think weird things happen. So there's always that chance. I want to tell you about my good friends at the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. If you're into sports betting, you know just how quickly the lines can change. And when you've got a lot riding on those odds, it pays to stay ahead of the curve. So before placing your bets, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM for the best betting analysis and information. They're fun, informative, and extremely helpful. A lot can change between last night's game and today's odds. The Daily Tip gives you an early look at all the angles. Host Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messinger break down the big takeaways and make sure that you know everything you need to bet smarter. With featured guests like bookmakers, Odyssey Insiders, and BetMGM experts, you've always got a fresh take on the action. Your friends will be wondering what you know that they don't. Not that you have to tell them where you heard it. As much fun as it is to bet on the game, it's even more fun when you've got the inside scoop. Ready to bet with an edge? Tune in to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Listen weekdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern on Odyssey, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Let's end it up with a look into the mailbag. Um, Spartan Martinman, appreciate you there. How Florida's receivers... uh, have Florida receivers been getting up? And no, not consistently well at all. Dan always seems to perform in big games. We shall see if he does this one. Uh, Mullen will give another good loss. Uh, well, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe they can do a little bit more than that. Time will tell. Uh, hey, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend. A reminder that we'll have all the, got all the breakdowns for you at LandryFootball.com breaking down the games as you get ready to watch them. And then we'll certainly have at the beginning of the week, the breakdowns of what the film showed um, as the game is played. We'll keep you up to date on all the action at LandryFootball.com, all the latest news notes, nuggets, and information. Follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball for all the reactions to the games that are being played. Uh, College, NFL, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'll have it all for you. So appreciate you joining us. Join us again on Monday as we get to another week of recapping another week of football. It's week nine in college football, week nine in the SEC, um, week eight in the NFL. We got it all covered for you. Enjoy the games, everybody, and, oh, we'll get you ready. It'll be the first unveiling of the playoff rankings next week, which – mean a whole lot of nothing at this point, but everybody gets excited about it. So we'll be there to break it down for you as well. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Appreciate everybody listening and watching. Join us over at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the football season sale. Um, And 
go to LandryFootball.com to download this podcast and find out where to get it directly to you. So appreciate you joining us. Talk to you next week, everybody. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.